Hi everyone, I'm Ashley McManus, Senior Director of Global Marketing at SmartEye. Welcome to the Human-Centric AI Podcast, where each episode we interview thought leaders doing cutting-edge work in the AI space. A little bit about us, SmartEye was founded over 20 years ago, and we have been known for developing some of the world's most sophisticated eye-tracking systems. In recent years, we've expanded our tech to be known now as the global leader in human insight AI, technology that understands, supports, and predicts human behavior in complex environments. We're bridging the gap between humans and machines for a safe and sustainable future. Our multimodal software and hardware solutions provide unprecedented human insight in automotive and behavioral research, supported also by Affectiva and iMotions, companies we acquired in 2021. In automotive, we are leading the way towards safer and human-centric mobility through driver monitoring systems and interior sensing solutions. Our technology is embedded in next-generation vehicles and available as a standalone aftermarket solution for existing vehicles, fleet, and small-volume OEMs. Today's episode features Dilap Vilka, Vice President of Automotive Solutions at SmartEye. With a degree in electrical engineering, Dietlaff has over 25 years of experience within the automotive industry with deep technical expertise in driver monitoring and interior sensing systems. I invited him to talk today about what he's working on at SmartEye, how customers are using our technology, how it works, and what he sees as the future trends in automotive technology industry. Let's listen in to learn more. Okay. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. With me, I have Dietlaf Vilka of SmartEye. Thank you so much for making the time to speak with me. To start, tell us about your background. How has your career path taken you to SmartEye? I believe you came to us from Active, so can you share your story of, of what brought you to us? Yeah, absolutely. Love to. Um, that is actually a pretty long story. So uh, I was working in the automotive business with Active slash previous company um, owned by Active. Um, since quite a while, so it was 23.5 years before the point came to oh. me, uh, right point to decide to uh, to move to Smarter, and happy to be in the Smarter family. And the first touch point was actually um, end of 2013 already, when we were um, mounting in Europe uh, with one of our potential customers back then, a SmartEye Aptive combined system for driver monitoring to try out if that actually works in their environment. And that's my first touch point uh, was that system. Um, and that actually did make a massive difference in my life because it took me to the past towards driver monitoring. Before that, I was uh, busy in telematics, um, software and services, and, and aftermarket uh, products. But then I thought, okay, this is something which is interesting. It's not in the market. It saves lives. Um, and that actually made me refocus my complete career inside Aptive towards uh, driver monitoring. So then from 2014 on, I really was focused on driver monitoring and uh, that's how it went on. The part which what, which, the, which of that uh, brought me to uh, to SmartEye, basically, um, it was uh, working over the years intensively with SmartEye as a team from my uh, former side. And obviously I cannot go for details here, uh, but that means I anyway knew a lot of people and uh, then there was a position opening and I was asked, actually, um, don't you want to join? Actually, a few times, multiple times, I have to say, over quite a while. And at some point I said, okay, yep, the setup is so, you are now really growing, uh, so interesting. I just cannot let this opportunity go. So that's uh, that was the decision point. Yeah. So what, what is your role at SmartEye today? Can you share a little bit about what you're working on? Yeah, uh, my role is described as Vice President for Automotive Solutions which means uh, that um, the teams that I intensively work with that also partly report to me are then uh, the sales organization, the product 
management organizations or the technical part of that, if you want to say so, um, and also a project organization. And uh, obviously, that is a complete involvement in, in all of the development starting from how do we actually convince customers that we have the right product, how do you shape our product, that it actually hits the needs for the customer. Um, that's the early phase, right? Then we win the product, then we develop that and basically bring it to market and validate that. So it's really cool to be a part of that uh, whole development and uh, yeah, new business development chain also. So, so for those who are unfamiliar with SmartEye and its applications uh, within vehicles, I know you touched on it briefly, but can you explain a little bit more what our what our offerings are? Yes. So um, obviously we. At first point, save lives. That was the Kickstarter, so to say, for why we do things. And that's what we do by monitoring the driver. Yep. So we have uh, quite a bunch of uh, one product that we bring into production. A small part of that is already on the road. And yep. that means we watch what you do as a driver. We watch where you, um, where you have your gaze. Are you concentrated? Are you looking at the road? Um, or are you actually distracted looking at a smartphone? And uh, that then by the OEM pulls an alarm. Uh, we actually can measure if you're um, awake or asleep or if you have reached a certain level of drowsiness. And based on that, we either, let's say, bring a car to a safe stop when we found that you're asleep and not being, let's say, returned uh, to awake by alarm signals. Um, and on the other hand, we can give you uh, pretty precise warnings when you reach a state of, of drowsiness, which is basically not suited for you to drive anymore. So these are the basics where we started from. Um, Again, that comes in mostly European market because of legislature uh, approach. That's really good. Um, but we moved forward from that uh, to first the whole cabin and then not only the safety part. Uh, so we expanded that to everyone in, uh, let's say, the cabin uh, from what we have also for driver monitoring. But we also, let's say, have some fun features. For instance, one fun feature that is more used in the um, in the Asian market are happy shots. That's a feature that's currently very asked so that actually you have a camera that points inside the car and uh, you actually take a photo when everyone is happy. That you can, if you activate that, scroll back, so to say, after the trip. Okay, what did we actually have for fun at the trip? So that's the most, uh, most uh, let's say, prominent part of, of, a, of a fun feature, so to say. But there's around 90 features um, which are on our roadmap completely speaking, inside the car. And one single feature would be the happy shot. Another one would be a left-behind child, uh, a detector for child uh, seats, actually, that you can get a warning on automated disabling of the frontal airbag if a child seat is mounted there against the driving direction that actually um, your child is safe. And there's just a ton on top of that. Yeah. And at a, a super high level, and maybe not revealing any secret sauce, but how, how would you say our technology works? Yeah, basically, it is deep learning slash AI. Um, we take the image from inside the cabin or the driver. That means we use infrared cameras. So we have a camera that works in the infrared range. We light up the cabin with invisible light, so infrared light, so that we see at night also what happens inside the car and the cabin. And um, yeah, we basically have trained the AI to recognize where your head is, um, to recognize where your eyes are, and then we have algorithms behind that that actually were trained to recognize where is your head pointing, where is your eye gaze. Yeah. Um, so the basic technology is is AI. That's that's our base of, of all the work that we do. Awesome. Very cool. So we we love customer case studies. Um, we actually recently pretty consistently put out a number of press releases, you know, announcing design wins, but obviously 
due to the nature of the automotive industry, we, we cannot name them, but, you know, based on your working understanding of our work with customers, can you share how these different car companies are using our technology? Mm -hmm. uh, that is um, at some point the same, but we also have a big variety of usages of our, of our cases. So one which we can talk about is, for instance, BMW, that was the first European launch on the road. Um, that uh, the initial, uh, let's say, take from that is actually that we watch if you, that we, let's say, deliver as a sensor of the output, do you look at the road or are you actually distracted? And that is combined with an automated or half-automated driving feature. So it means the car actually follows, so to say, the road stays in traffic, but it will also come to a full stop. And in order to reactivate so that the car continues the ride, we, um, we actually make sure that you first have looked at the road so that the car actually ensures that uh, the let's say the, the environment is safe and the second layer is you ensure as a human that the environment is safe and then it will actually uh, continue to ride so that's that's the earliest feature so to say um but all of the car companies uh, mostly driven by legislation uh, use a feature as described um drowsiness distraction get warnings out um that's kind of the basics which we have 100 and then there's strong variety um how that is used. Um, so a lot of people actually try to monetize, let's put it like that, internally speaking, our technology. So it means there is a certain cost to the system, the hardware and the software, yeah. and you actually want to have something that is visible to the driver. And in best case, our system is, from driver monitoring, the safety perspective, totally invisible because it means you're never drowsy, you're never distracted, you don't even see or hear us. I mean, yeah. normally that is not the fact, but let's say that's the ideal. So you yeah. don't see us until you need us. Right. Um, but we actually uh, want to be in the car uh, for useful features. And one useful feature, for instance, that you use on a daily basis would be uh, when you're night driving, uh, most of the car is actually pretty dark and yeah. you want to uh, you want to find something. So it means when you look at something in the car on the uh, passenger seat, for instance, or when you lean over, uh, based on our body detector, we can actually make sure that the area is light up, uh, lit up, okay. that you actually see where you're going. Um, or if um, if you actually want to change the climate control information, then um, the technology that we deliver can be used to light up uh, with more light, so to say the climate control, that you actually find the knob within the shortest amount of time. Um, yeah, and that's kind of the direction that is going. Um, but it's highly OEM uh, individual, so that's a good thing. Um, the OEMs can build individualized function that make a difference that differentiate OEM1 from OEM2 based on our technology. And I think that's that's an interesting thing. You get so many requests, uh, what can be done with that, so many ideas yeah. uh, from the OEMs and the tier ones we collaborate with. Uh, that's uh, always a surprise. So once a month, we again have a request where there are new ideas, new surprises coming up, what the customer wants to realize with that. We unfortunately cannot talk about that, but um, it is it's really not boring. So it really stays interesting. Very cool, very cool. So uh, we recently had an event, a webinar on intoxication research. Um, mm -hmm. Can you share more on what that was, perhaps what it is, why it's important, why are we doing this at SmartEye? So yeah, what is it? So basically intoxication <laughs> means simply speaking, um, you've taken alcohol or drugs, right? And actually what we wanna do, the basics, uh, we wanna save lives and that is part of that. So. Um, it is pretty easy to detect alcohol if you have uh, a breath, let's say, analysis, right? But obviously, that is not in each car, um, more or less. Uh, it's very expensive, and that's limited to commercial car applications today, mostly. Um, 
And for us, the challenge is, okay, how can we reuse the hardware that is already in the car? So the camera sensors that we have and put um, more benefit out of those um, by just adding a small bit of software. So the target is for us, in short words, to use software, um, monitor the driver's behavior and find out if the behavior is irregular and based on intoxication um, slash uh, misuse of drugs or, or usage of alcohol. Um, and as you know, right, when people actually get drunk, they start to behave differently. Um, and we want to actually be sure that we recognize that in the car. It's not easy. Uh, there's a lot of research going on. We work in Europe and uh, also in the US uh, on projects there, actually a number of projects, and continue that. And the target is to bring that in as one part. Um, so we basically would stop the car or in a maybe longer term vision, um, prevent even the start of the car uh, when you, let's say, are at a blood alcohol level that actually is inappropriate and unsafe to drive. Right. So it will still take a bit, but um, I think we're on it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, also based on your experience and the, and the trends you're seeing, what advice would you give to tier ones or OEMs that are listening about interior sensing technology? Um, I would say closely follow that. Um, because it makes a difference in, in that what you can actually bring to your customers. Um, there's a lot of uh, individual features that can be used for safety and for convenience. Um, and on, on some parts, you will not get around that. So simply speaking, um, I think even though not legislated, I think we will have one feature that's coming up pretty prominent. And that is the child left behind detection that can be based on camera systems that can also be based on radar where we also work with or fusion of those and other functions. Um, and as I said, these, these sad events, even not legislated, but they can be solved with the same technology. So like I said, right, around 90 features, if you count all of them, uh, can be realized inside the cabin uh, with those sensor sets. And um, I think it would be really good to build up your own OEM-specific portfolio of that and, and see how that resonates with uh, with the research and with the market, so to say. And then, um, yeah, uh, pick your parts from that and, and make a really good uh, user experience from it. Yeah, absolutely. User experience is key. Um, so when looking at the road ahead, uh, what do you think is the future of the automotive technology industry? You know, what, what considerations should car companies and perhaps even consumers keep in mind? Uh, that obviously is a very vast question. Um, yeah. <laughs> very so, so my prediction model is um, we will have cars that generically, if I go for an outlook, maybe 2030-ish in that direction. Yeah. Uh, we obviously will have cars that uh, will have slightly higher automation levels than today. Personally, I think the automation will be still limited, let's say, to non-crowded city environments, so that actually when you have rural roads, highways, that's a pretty easy task to solve. Um, mm -hmm. um, but we still likely have a mix, so to say, between full, automotive, uh, full autonomous driving and manual driving. And there is actually the sweet spot for our technology wants to make sure that still the driver is awake, so ready to take back control when needed from the car, yeah. uh, that the driver is still in the seat because we have people uh, that actually want to use or let's say misuse technology of lower levels of uh, automated driving to actually take a nap, go to the back and have the car driving themselves. There are technologies uh, which try to mitigate that by actually making sure you're in the seat, you actually touch the steering wheel of that, but there are always people that try 
to come around that. Also, that is part that we can mitigate there. Um, yeah, and I think um, generically, I would say um, there is more fusion in the technology between car and our private life. So I do expect that um, not only based on our technology, obviously, that your private information, which you have um, in the smartphone, is really tightly knit, so to say, to the car information, that the car becomes more um, um, a data sharing source or part of, of your data that you also have at home. Yeah. Um, I would even envision that uh, your personal devices, for instance, like a clock with a heartbeat and, and sleep detector is actually then into that ecosystem. Um, so I'm looking forward, actually. I might be a bit frightened on how you look at that because there's a lot of data ownership, obviously, uh, coming to that. But I think there are ways to actually make sure that not the car company owns the data, but that you as a driver own the data. And that's very important for me. Um, if, as long as the data is in the hands of the person that generates the data, so in our hands, so to say, as car drivers, and when we decide what of our data is used, when we can switch that on and off, and we can use additional services, or decide to intentionally not use them because actually that data might be too private. Yeah, yeah definitely. And uh, real quick also, I think you had mentioned earlier uh, some regulation-driven features or requirements. So I, I didn't know if you were involved with Euro End Capital and, and if so, you know, what's on the horizon in terms of road safety ratings for, you know, future vehicle safety models? Okay. Yeah, I, I was directly involved in my old company and obviously Smarta is directly involved with the NCAP uh, to actually feedback industry opinions and technology capabilities. Um, so that is done uh, generically from tier ones and tier twos, which is really good. So we have good, uh, good conversations on that. Um, yeah, so for me, actually, the Euro NCAP uh, is a very good instance, first point, because it pushes the market for more safety. Yeah. Um, otherwise, the launch of the systems would happen later than actually the technology is there. So it's a good market push. Yeah. Um, so, so my take is that the Euro NCAP now has quasi-legislated, at least for Europe, obviously, um, that driver monitoring systems hit the road in, in, in mass volumes. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the true legislation called GSR also contributes to that. And my outlook from the NCAP, what will they do next, is actually push the boundaries because what the Euro NCAP does is um, bring technology in that is available, um, rate that with stars, right? You get the five-star rating if your car overall, so to say, um, is at the level where the Euro NCAP expects that from a technology point, but they keep on pushing. So that means when um, the driver monitoring systems just for the driver face, so to say, um, so drowsiness and distraction, for example, have been implemented and there will be around 2025 latest uh, as it looks for all cars in Europe, then they will go for the next step. And my view is as also the um, the capability of the sensor and the safety manner expands. So that we say we can now watch the complete cabin. We don't only watch your face. We also watch your body position. Uh, we yeah. can, can see actually if people are seated and belted correctly. Uh, we can see if there is a child seat in. Um, we have discussions on going to use our technology as an input to airbag deployment systems. So I think that is a direction um, that it will go in the long run. And the short run, I would say, um, it's for me at least likely uh, that there will be adaptive um, uh, ADA systems, so adaptive safety systems. So today, for instance, you have a city break assist um, that assumes that you are a slightly distracted driver, but that means it is a fixed system. So from a certain distance and a certain speed, the system will actually break when there's someone uh, coming in front of the car. Um, 
but it is one target that they have to actually make this adaptive uh, depending on your state. So are you actually watching the road? Um, are you at on the spot or actually are you heavily distracted? And if you're heavily distracted and the car knows that, you actually would start to brake earlier because you, the car, so to say, knows, okay, now there's a pedestrian coming in. It is still standard braking distance, but the person is just not seeing. So the driver is not seeing the pedestrian. So then you can actually activate the, the autonomous braking system much earlier than you normally would do that. So stuff like that. So I think there's a lot coming up and then I would say the race and technology is, is a true enabler for, for more features. So watch out for 26 and 27. I think there's still a lot of push uh, to all of us yeah. uh, coming from the NCAP. So we covered a lot of ground today. Uh, if you had one takeaway for the audience listening, what would you like to tell them? What would I like to tell them? So um, <laughs> short term, as not every car has a system in, I would say, um, if, if I think about my family, my car decision, so to say, what car would I buy is actually a decision towards a system, a car with a system of, of a driver monitoring. Yeah. Um, so it means if, for instance, my daughter drives a car, she's 18 now, right? I really, really would love to have a car, um, and I will, uh, that has a system that detects if she is distracted and that actually alarms her when there is something on the road, so to say, where she really needs to focus. Um, because the younger you are, the the more likely you get distracted, right? And it's maybe a difference if you're uh, a young lady or a young man, right? Young man, maybe different target, also distracted, but maybe driving faster. I don't know. Maybe these sort of stereotypes. But my, my, my recommendation is basically make sure that you buy a car that has a decent system in um, for, for the monitoring that keeps you and your family safe. Um, for the parts where, unfortunately, we all do mistakes, right? As drivers, a mistake happens. Yep. And then the second uh, one is, um, yeah, watch out for fun features. So watch out for things actually in the car where you can um, kind of HMI interaction with the eyes or go for gesture control. There's a lot of stuff that actually can be done with camera and internal sensors. Um, so, yeah, go for safety and, and uh, the convenience part, at least, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Uh, also, for our listeners, can you let them know where they can go to learn more or do you have any other call to action for them? Yeah, so recommendation is um, we do a few webinars and obviously podcasts. This is one of those. Um, watch out for podcasts that come, uh, maybe listen to a few podcasts that we have done. Yeah. And um, if, if you just scroll our website, uh, we have a few webinars coming up from time to time on interesting deep dives. Uh, for instance, the intoxication webinar we had there. Um, that's always uh, good to take a listen in. And if you're basically an OEM or tier one that is not connected to us, uh, which is not so likely, but there are people in companies that are not connected to us. Um, yeah, just contact us. I mean, uh, we have our sales, we have our engineers, we have research. Um, yeah, just get in contact and uh, see what we can do for you and vice versa, right? Uh, we shape the roadmap, but obviously the roadmap is also shaped from uh, from customer requirements. And we absolutely need that feedback also. Yeah, very cool. Excellent. And one last question that we ask all of our automotive guests, if your car could do one thing in the future to make your life a little easier, what would it be? Um, I would like to get rid of the car key completely. Um, but that not applies to my car. I actually don't want any keys. I want my car to open automatically without even one interaction, right? I stand in front of my car, facial recognition. I go into the car and actually the car starts on its own. I don't want to actually mingle around with my smartphone. Once in a life, so to say, to get my car and I actually want to have the same experience when I return from home. So when I come there and I'm actually standing in front of the door, 
my door, I would like to have that open when I carry some some food in. Who actually wants to mingle around with a with a key, physical key, right? That would be my my one takeaway. Get uh, get 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 me rid of my key. Um, that would be really appreciated. Awesome. Yes, a seamless transition. I love it. All right. Well, that's all I have for you. It was a pleasure. Thank you again so much for speaking with me today. Yeah, thank you for the uh, opportunity and uh, organizing that podcast. I really love how Dietlaff's focus throughout our conversation was very much focused on road safety, and you could tell he was passionate about building vehicle technology that will save lives. His deep expertise gained from both working at Aptiv to his close alignment with Euro NCAP was also fascinating to listen to, especially when it came to where he envisions future models of cars will look like, their features, and where or when we will see them. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our human-centric AI podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts for new episodes. We're also on social media, so please reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram to share any feedback you have on the show. Don't forget to rate us and comment with your feedback to help make the podcast more discoverable for others. Until next time, thanks for listening.